Hi, and welcome to the Sat Cold Podcast. I'm your host, Naomi May, writer and editor, and I am so excited to be joined by climate and nature journalist and broadcaster, Lucy Siegel. Lucy, can you start by telling me a little bit about how you initially got interested in all things sustainable? Yes, and I think about this a lot because my interest in sustainability and supply chain comes Mm. from how things are made. Mm -hmm. Um, And when I was very young, I went on a a sort of school trip, basically, to India. Um, So we had a sort of sister school in India, and um, we went to dig a well. Um, And to cut a long story short, it was the first time that I encountered child labour. So I saw very small children making carpets. And this was completely new to me. I'd never, ever seen anything like this before. And I was so horrified that afterwards, when I left college, I was working in the textiles industry immediately after college, and I couldn't stop asking questions about where the textiles came from, where the fabrics came from, these huge bolts of silks and different weaves from all over the world. And... um, I was sort of told, you know, maybe you could do your job rather than asking constant questions about where this stuff was from. And eventually I thought, why don't I do a job where asking questions about where things are from is the actual point? And that's why I decided to go and try and get a job in a newspaper. So all of this directly for me comes from who made this item What's it made from and in what conditions was it made? And that for me is the root of all sustainable consumption. And your book, which you wrote called To Die For, is fashion wearing out the world, was used as the basis for a Netflix documentary, The True Cost. Yes. Can you tell me a little bit more about that process and what you learned from it? Yes. So To Die For was published in 2011 and I think it's still used in on lots of fashion courses and sustainability courses, which is, you know, amazing to me. Um, sadly, it, it it proved to be very prescient because it talked about um, labour rights and it talked about the danger that garment workers were in. And then Rana Plaza happened in 2013 when over a 1,000 people were killed in a single morning making garments for Western brands. And that really sort of set out this sort of vast review of the whole industry Um, and watching that coverage was a director in Los Angeles called Andrew Morgan who was you know a young filmmaker and he was reading the New York Times and the front cover of the New York Times was two little boys looking for their mother in the rubble of Rana Plaza and the two little boys were the same age as his two were then two his two boys and two girls he has and he Um, didn't know anything about fashion industry. I don't think he was particularly into environmental stories, but he looked at that picture and he asked himself, why are those two kids looking for their mother in the rubble of a fashion factory? What has gone wrong in the supply chain? And that was his starting point. Um, I met him when he basically turned up on my doorstep, um, actually my sister's doorstep, because I was staying with her at the time in South London, and asked for an interview. And he'd read the book cover to cover. And I was so impressed because literally no one read that book when it came out. (laughs) They read it now. Um, And so we started talking. And then I felt like every time there was a knock at the door, it was Andrew Morgan and his team wanting more and more and more. And I was like, what is this project? But he went to 30 countries and he interviewed so many people. And I really could feel him unwrapping the subject in a way that 
I hadn't seen anyone else do before. And he used my book as a starting point, but actually the clever thing about that um, documentary is that it's really a book about what happens when you deregulate and globalize an, imply, uh, an entire supply chain. It's about politics and economics. It's not really about fashion at all. People just think it is, they start watching it. And then even people who say they're not into politics are completely gripped. So that's the power of that movie. Um, and I can still remember lines from it. So I remember one expert just at one point, he's talking about economics, he's talking about how wage theft in developing world economies and how that works. And he just stops and he just says, my God, we can do better than this. And that has always driven me because I feel we can do better than that. So you hear a lot of people saying, make things easy for us. Consumers don't have time to do this, Y, Z. They, they just need things quick, blah, blah, blah. I think, I don't believe in consumers. We are citizens and we have agency and we're lucky enough to be citizens with agency in a democracy, apparently, but that's a whole different subject. But we have power and we should be more demanding, not less demanding. We should be more demanding, but of the right things. And what's one thing that you wish more people understood about fashion specifically and its impact on the environment? Well, I think the thing that you should understand about fashion is that when you're in the heat of it, you feel like something is out of fashion or in fashion. That That is only true for a very short amount of time. So if you can hold on to something, it will come back around. We all know that, people of my age. And I know you said one thing, but I'm saying two things. Forget all the data, all of the uh, complication, sustainable fibre this, this, that and the other. The thing that matters is how many times you wear a piece, how much like road wear you get out of a piece. So don't even look at something unless you can commit in your head in that very moment to wear it 30 times. Like obviously you're going to do it much more than that. But if you can't say, I will definitely wear that 30 times, it's not for you. That's a fantastic rule. One so I will be adopting. Yes. Yeah, very good. And I know that you're quite prolific on social media. What yes. role do you think social media has in these conversations and in engaging people in these conversations? I think that social media for me is somewhere that you can find an expert on anything. So if you want someone who's done a PhD on the life cycle of hemp, cotton mix or something like that you will find them or buttons or zips or whatever you want so I like the detail of social media and being able to contact people I think if it's somewhere where you want to have you want to find your way through a subject I think that's much more difficult because it's so fast-paced and you might have missed the conversation that they had the other day so I would always say use it to engage with people and find the people you want. But don't forget like sad old little books like To Die For because, you know, they are a really good resource and you can write in the margins, you know. So I do that with books. A lot of people would say that's <laughs> terrible. But so I think it's a real mix and match for me. But in terms of understanding what people are up to and why, you can pop them a question and you can get like quite instant feedback. So I think you have to mix your... It's all about timing. Everything's about tempo. You know, it's not just musicians who should think about timing. It's about the rhythm of life, the rhythm of how your own brain works, how you take in um, information, what you want to do in the future. Like, you know, it, you don't have to be in sustainability or environmentalism 
to become an environmentalist or an ecologist. That's what's so beautiful about it. It's always an option for you and you can add it on to whatever you're doing. So really, if social media doesn't work for you, don't feel you have to be on it. There's lots of other ways of um, having this conversation, learning about this conversation, but I do like it for its immediacy of getting to people. Mm. And what is one immediate thing that anybody watching who wants to get involved, wants to make a difference, wants to be part of the change, what's one immediate thing that they can do today? Well, you can sign a petition and there's a few different ones. So we're also living in an era where a lot of different um, experts have come together and lots of different movements are coming together. So you can look up, for example, an amazing um, woman called Safia Mini, who used to have a label called People Tree and now does this whole thing on regenerative fashion um, and fashion declares. So fashion's response to the climate crisis. Look up their petition, sign it, lend your name, see if you can go to uh, a talk, you know, see if you can do something yourself. But I'm really, really into not just keeping like changing your shopping habits and keeping it really private. I'm really into starting a conversation in your community. Can you go to a fashion swap? Can you go to a mending circle or, you know, can you do something that involves more than 10 people? Um, because I think that is the way that this spreads. And also, if you do things with other people, you're less likely to um, get burned out or fatigued or distracted. Lucy, thank you so much for joining thank us today you. on the Black Cold Podcast. Thank you, it's a real pleasure. Thank you.